Hi, hello and welcome to my channel, which is a podcast, and it's called By All Means Necessary. I don't know if you've ever heard about it, you probably have because you clicked on the goddamn link. Welcome, I'm Maya, your host. Such a lovely voice, such a lovely character. Okay. <laughs> we are closing off the month of heists with a quite deep one, probably a lot more deeper rooted, I would say, than the last two. Well, anything was deeper than the last one. God, that was the buckle. The buckle. And I think as an immigrant, the background of this story is something a lot of us can relate to. But then it is kind of like what you make out of your dreams and aspirations and do you continue the way the protagonists of this story have done or do you actually work hard and fight for success? Now that I have um, given you a teaser, let's just dive straight in. Four Vietnamese men walked into the good guy's electronics shop on April the 4th, 1991. At first, it seemed like a normal robbery, but the events of the next few hours of negotiation and after six bodies dropped, a stronger motivation will surface. We have our crime, we've got our perpetrators. What were their motives? Let me first apologize because I know that I'm very much against butchering other people's names, but I will most probably butcher these perpetrators' names. Why am I apologizing again? They killed people, okay? So let's just meet our captors. They are the four young Vietnamese refugees. Three of them are brothers. Loi, Pham and Long Wen. Loi is 21, Pham is 19 and Long is 17. And then they tagged along their friend Kuang Tran, who was 17. So on the morning of the shooting, Pham came to school and asked to be excused from class, saying he had a toothache and he wanted to go to the dentist. Also on this very morning, when brothers asked their parents for permission to go fishing on their own, something that they do as a hobby anyways, so their parents again didn't consider it anything strange. None of the families obviously suspected anything weird. What was a bit out of the ordinary was the actual good guy's electronics shop. So they have moved their sales day to that day, I think it was supposed to be on Friday or something, and they moved it on so the shop was busier than usual. At that very moment, there was 41 customers employees in there. So when brothers actually attempted another robbery on that day and that didn't end up successful, there's not many details as if like what it actually means but we know that they managed to get out of it. They drove to this parking lot in front of good guys. <laughs> I put in the script, pers again persistence is the key. Truth, truth, yeah persistence. If they just kept being persistent on other things but yeah persistence is definitely the key. Unless you are really, really ugly. Yeah. <laughs> we have a saying back home that is like, oh god, I hate this saying so much. It says like, it's not a handsome one that gets to fuck, it's the persistent one. <laughs> and it's just like, is there a truth in there? Is there. But the persistent one needs that persistency, right? It's not just like as easy for them, so mm, is it really true? Then I put, normal people recognize their bad luck day, not this lot. I don't know if you believe in this shit, but like when I have a really, really good day, for example, I know something that is coming. I know that there is no way in my fucking life that I have this luck where like the whole 24 hours are just going to be great. Never happened. So the same, if the day starts off being like a fucking shit day, why do you have to persist and go in and rob something else? It's a clear sign. Now, one of the females that will end up being their hostage, called Henrietta, actually saw this lot like chill at the parking lot and kind of like prepare themselves, you know, have a bit of laughter, which again kind of shows you that this was premeditated and again just shows you the attitude of these guys who were like, yep, we fucked up another robbery and now we're doing this one. This group that was also part of the Oriental Boys Gang left their vehicle, entered the store armed with three pistols and a shotgun. I love this detail of the story so much. So like, they went in, ordered everybody to come to the front, obviously, for their own protection. But apparently they stopped this shoplifter as well, who attempted to leave the store and just began shooting at the ceiling again. 
classic signs of robbery. I just love the fact that they stopped the shoplifter while they're the ones robbing the store. It's big. Now, they call 911. The critical incidents negotiations team was immediately dispatched to the scene. So, before 911 comes to the scene, let's meet some of our hostages. So, we have Lisa, who is five months pregnant, and her uncle and cousin. So, they were just passing by the shop, you know, headed to lunch, because again, it was a kind of like shopping complex. And the uncle kind of said like, hey, I just want to check like the sales. Like, look at this, it's a sales sign. You know, they might have some good deals. Let's go shop here before lunch. Again, just think about yourself, it's like a completely normal day. You're walking into a shop, not thinking that this might be basically your last day or that something as stressful is going to happen to you. Yeah, just get on my paranoid level every time you walk into a fucking shop, okay? Henrietta, who spotted the captors on the parking lot laughing, ducked under the boxes to take cover from the gunfire once they started shooting. And then obviously you need to think about that we have employees there, so they are trying to obviously calm everybody down. So this guy called David Sigler was an employee, was again trying to reassure everybody this is just a normal robbery, like they're gonna take the stuff and they're gonna leave. And there was this room that they called audio rooms, obviously with like audio equipment rather than, I don't know, TVs and shit. I don't think it's technology, okay? So they moved everybody that was there, like shopping for audio equipment, to the front to shield them from the police. Now, there was another hostage called Sean McIntyre, who was comforting a mom with kids, and somebody they haven't spotted, their names were Al and John, they were hiding behind the counter, who witnessed one of the gunmen asking who the manager is, and then, once somebody responded that they were, asking them to lock the door. And that is when it became apparent to everybody this wasn't just a robbery. Now, not just the police arrives, but obviously the media. You can find videos on live because a lot of it was broadcasted live. And because of how the full frontal was, so everybody had a full frontal view from the parking lot. So you could actually see people's faces as well. And yeah, how the robbers looked like. So now the negotiations start and gunmen said they wanted to speak to President Bush. So they want a letter signed by him for a free passage out of the country. And this, again, is like when everybody... It's that situation. When you're as a hostage, you're like, okay, this is... Um, this was weird so far. It's like, okay, you're already a hostage, right? Your tensions are high. And this is when you start thinking, like, these robbers have no fucking idea what they're doing. How do they think they're gonna communicate with the president of the United States? This ain't Sweden. This ain't the normal stroke robbery. This is not like 1970s in freaking Sweden. But also they picked up like immediately, well, just from that one thing, but also like they would forget to like switch off safety on the gun. So like some of them looked as amateurs operating the guns that they brought into the shop as well. So now for the first two hours, these negotiators try to like be peaceful, like negotiating with them. This doesn't prove to be as simple because these hostage takers keep changing their demands. They're demanding $4 million, 40 1000 year old, I'm gonna mispronounce this word, ginseng roots, basically tea, a 50 troop military helicopter as the transportation for everybody, including the hostages to Thailand, after a refueling stop in Alaska. But now you could hear on the call, like, sometimes they pick up a phone, they say, like, okay, one million is fine, and then the other one is like, no, tell them three million. Or it's like, okay, no, we are sticking to four million. So, like, the police is just like, what are you doing? Why don't you have set requirements? How do we negotiate with these people? Now, obviously, while these negotiations are getting messy, the police figures out that there is, like, a fabric store next door, and it provides them with, like, the back entrance into the store. So they immediately, like, start sending a part of the force there in order to have that back exit covered, just in a case where they actually storm in. Now, they reveal a bit of themselves in these uh, negotiations. They say that the helicopter is actually to find them to Thailand so that they can fight Viet Cong. Again, which means that they're not actually from Thailand to the police. Then their demands start heading more towards bulletproof vests. And this was the only like consistent demand. So the four bulletproof vests. 
So now the police is like, okay, cool. We are giving you one vest. You release multiple hostages out. And at this point, they were kind of like really getting annoyed by the presence of the children being agitated in the shop. Again, something that as you as a robber, you kind of might want to consider that you might not have a perfect situation when you walk into a shop. You might have children. Do children annoy you? They will annoy you during the fucking robbery. So they want to all obviously humiliate the police as much as possible. So the officer that used to drop them the vests for them to release like some hostages and some kids has to do it in underwear only. They're like, yeah, yeah, we just want to make sure that he's not armed. Bitch, please, you just want to humiliate them because the media is out there. I put this is becoming like a Brooklyn Nine-Nine of a hostage situation. It truly is, okay? That, that spin-off would be great to watch. By the way, yeah, inappropriate jokes, I know. So this whole time, Loy appeared to be in charge out of all the brothers, but Long, who was the 17-year-old, appeared to be the most problematic and the most just unhinged human. As these negotiations would heat up, he would just keep repeating how he wants to see blood, how he wants basically to show like who is in charge, who show who is the boss. And just now imagine, like, you are already shit scared. There's a lot of freaking robbers not knowing what to do and being unhinged. Like, you would want to be a hostage in a situation where robbers just know what they're doing. They just come, they, they, they get the fuck out. And you're like, okay, cool. Like, you guys appear to be pros. You know what the fuck you're doing. I don't care about you and your life after this. You know, I'm gonna give a witness statement and continue with my day. This is traumatizing. And the police kind of realizes that they don't have the upper hand in a sense of what these guys can see. Because usual robbery, like, these guys can't actually see what's happening outside on the street. This being the electronics store, they can actually, well, switch on the TV and just switch on the news and see how many police cars and how many police officers are out there. So the police outside is sort of in between negotiations, trying to keep the media controlled. So they don't show everything that's happening on the streets, so that they should kind of have the upper hand in this situation. And as all of this is happening, the police officer makes the vest drop in his underwear. Mother of the children is to go out to pick up the vest, and obviously they're holding her children hostage inside, so they're like, yep, don't pull any stunts, just go outside, pick up the vest, come back in. So she does. Now, when they have this vest, truly, truly, it just gets... It just gets fucking psychic. Again, as a hostage, I would just be like... Uh, fuck me, man. Can these guys not be pleased? This is when I would have my, what I call, funeral nervous laughter fit. Let me just explain. Okay. So I have never had a normal funeral. There was one that was so bad. And my parents knew this, so like they didn't kind of invite me or force me to go to any funerals anymore. Basically, there was one, this, such, such a bad fucking thing, but I can't. I just have like, I can't control this, okay? This was my friend from like fucking primary school and his dad hung himself, okay? So it was terrifying, it was just the worst thing ever. This guy was young as fuck and everybody was young and we just all went to, well, support our friend. Except that Maya had nervous fear laughter, which then I tried to mask as a sob. Which, trust me, don't mask your nervous laughter as a sob, so you just look like a fucking weirdo. Just hide, hide with a tissue, hide with something. Just don't try to mask a laughter. And yeah, if you are a normal person, please, that can control your laughs, don't laugh at funerals. But basically, why I'm laughing is they have the vest. And they realize they're not happy because this vest is not a full body armor. Now is when it becomes apparent to everybody that, first of all, they don't know what fucking vests look like which is great already. It's like they want to speak with Bush and they don't know what vests look like. But it's not just that they're basing everything on like Robocop. So they expected like full body armor, so every part of their bodies to be protected. So they're like, okay, do we even believe this vest works? We are going to test out if it's real. And then we are going to let the kids go. Yeah, we need to test it out. They're like, okay, who wants to volunteer to try the vest out? Obviously, if you're a reasonable person, just always say no in this kind of situation. Yeah, don't volunteer. Hostages, because they're already smarter, showing to be smarter than these freaking captors. So just, just put it on the ground and shoot it and test it that way. That way you don't actually hurt anybody. Fucking psychopaths. So they finally do... They're even arguing who is going to shoot this vest. It's like it's not that deep. Do you, do you not understand how you are actually representing yourself? 
in front of these hostages. I mean, you have to remember that these kids are young. They're like teenagers. This is why you don't rob banks and you definitely don't rob them in like the teenage stage. When you just argue with your friends over everything. It's like, no, she's gonna go out with me. She's gonna be my girl. No, I wanna shoot that west like in front of hostages. Get a grip. Finally, Long says he always gets to shoot, which again is not really reassuring to the fucking hostages, because what do you mean you always get to shoot? So who have you shot before? Who have you shot before? Please, Long, tell us. Are we going to fucking die? Finally, they test this freaking thing out, they realize it's real, and they let the mom and the kids go, as promised. Now, obviously, negotiations are kind of crumbling more and more, because they have one West, they don't have four. They don't have any of the other things that they try to negotiate, probably because they're fucking unhinged, but also possibly because they're not saying the actual things that they want, they're changing their demands constantly. So the dynamic is a mess. Now another brother takes the phone, says he's now number one. Again, what do you mean number one? Oh god, just think of cool names, man. Just give me some La Casa de Papel shit. Now they're trying to negotiate to get Chinese or Italian. Again, these kids don't know what the fuck they even want to eat. So they're gonna say, we, we're gonna start shooting now because you are not delivering us Chinese food. Guys, you're not at Hilton. This is not a fucking Hilton experience. By the way, guys. Yet another sad story of my life. I have actually been to Hilton and you would be like, oh wow, poshy posh experience. Hilton is fucking expensive. Yes, yes it is. And um, I haven't even paid for it. And no, this is not my hoeing life story. <laughs> it's a sad, sad story where I didn't get to hoe. And in fact, I was probably more broke than ever. I don't know if you lot remember, but about 10 years ago or 9, I think it is. Anyways. Either 2009 or 2010, the winter of that year, it was snowing in London like it has never fucking snowed. Well, actually it was snowing everywhere, but I was supposed to fly home for like holidays and well, the flight got cancelled. But as being a typical freaking student, I was properly broke by that point. I was like, yeah, but I'm going home. Why do I have to have any money in my bank account? So luckily I was flying with uh, this friend. Well, luckily I say now because hey, at least I had where to sleep. <laughs> and uh, where I slept was Hilton. Great. Yay. She paid for the hotel. Well, actually her mom paid because her mom was like, no, you guys need to stay at a safe place. And apparently the only safe place was also the most expensive place to stay. So um, yeah, I love associating myself with those people. Love it. I am also so grateful that I have had the roof above my head. Okay, thanks. Thanks for that. However, this girl thought it would be a great idea to bring her boyfriend, who also appeared to be stranded in London, to the hotel room without telling me fuck all. So obviously now I'm third wheeling there reading a book like a fucking nerd. And they just start making out on another bed. And uh, yeah, I just picked up my book. <laughs> and went to uh, the hall, the hallway, whatever, and just lied on one of those posh-ass fucking sofas and just continued reading my book. <laughs> Until I heard that I left the room and I was like, yep, I just, I'm constant third wheel of my life. Yet another sad story of people not noticing that I'm present in the room when they start making out like awake or asleep they don't give a fuck what was my childhood what were my teenage years why was i not a normal teenager ever okay moving on continue with this story this is so sad <laughs> i put now this is a great examples of robbers who have just seen too much tv and think they can actually go super fast and police just gives you what you want but police isn't complying here so the robbers are just arguing over what to do just to show how incredibly unhinged they are they start playing <laughs> They start playing with their lives, so they're like, okay, how do we choose who we are going to shoot? And they play, <laughs> they just start saying, eeny, meeny, miny, moe. I like the autocorrect corrected this in my script to eerie, meeny, money, moe. Genius. Autocorrect, please, just start writing my own fucking scripts. <laughs> so they're just going over these hostages with this eeny, meeny, miny, moe, who they're going to shoot at. And as they're doing this, they notice a leg behind the counter and they finally discover John and Al. So now they're pissed. These two managed to hide this whole time. They're just like, their authority has been completely fucked. <laughs> so again, they're on the call losing it now to these negotiators and now they're saying like, yep, you might as well just bring a body bag into the building as well. This is where people start crumbling under stress, especially 
people who are pregnant, like Lisa. So she started having terrible cramps and just keeps asking and asking just to go to the toilet. And finally one of them follows her to it. He's just like standing in front of, he doesn't like even let her go into the stall by herself. So he's just like standing there, watching her this whole time in there. And yeah, she just starts crying as she's bleeding because she suffered from a miscarriage in there. As this is happening, now they're allowing everybody to go to the toilet one by one, except from Al, who is now their target because he has managed to hide from them for so long. But Al doesn't give a fuck. Al just like watched all of this dynamic this whole time. He's like, they, they don't know what they're doing. They don't have any fucking authority. Fuck these kids. So he just starts walking to the toilet. So after he does that, after he goes out to the toilet, they pull him into this other room and argue what to do with him. Again, you're just there like, fuck, well, this is great, this is threatening. One of them shoots into the wedding vending machine and I just put, so hey, look at the positive side, now they have snacks. Yes, look at the positive side of everything, guys. If you remember, though, they still only let a couple of kids out. So they still have three children left inside the good guys. They are extremely going on their nerves. These are not competent people to deal with children. So they're like, okay, cool, we're gonna let them out, but we're not going to allow them to go outside with their mother. No, we're going to send them in the random human and they choose Henrietta to send them out with. Now the youngest one long snaps. He's like, nothing is happening. This is not going anywhere. So what he does, drastic, drastic changes. He ties everybody in the groups of four. So everybody's arm is attached to somebody else's leg. This is just a proof. They're doing this like on the go. The, the thinking is just done on the go. Just as you do, you know, you go to a grocery shop and you're like, okay, I didn't make the list. I didn't plan this out. So let's just go from aisle to aisle and see what I need to shop from. Except you're in a fucking robbery. Nothing is pre-planned. This is also when I would probably get like shot or something just because I would speak up and be like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why am I tied in this weird way? Why has any of this happened today? Now again, as in every robbery that we have covered, something unnecessary happens. Somebody actually manages to get through this negotiations line, pretending they're the police. And they're speaking with one of the employees and they figure it out. So long, again, the most unhinged person in there loses his shit. And now, you remember in Imi Minimo? They're like, okay, no, we know, we know of another game. Mm, it's heads and tails. We have learned this in school. What are we doing? You are kids. You cannot be like, what's next? Rock, paper, scissors. Are we fucking kidding each other? So mm -hmm. he divides these hostages now in half. He's like, okay, cool, great. 20 from the right, 20 on the left side. I put the unnecessary stress, truly unfucking necessary. So he's gonna play heads and tails. If he drops one, like he kills left side, he drops on the other, kills right side. Now he does the coin flip, the fucking thing lands. He's like, this doesn't count. Oh my God, what is wrong? Why is this guy so unhinged? This truly, like, I don't call loosely somebody a psycho because I'm like, okay, no, I know sort of the psychology of it. Let's not call everybody psycho. This guy's a fucking psycho, okay? Who just does, like, stupid kids games playing with people's lives? <laughs> oh, so I just remembered. You know, I was like 14 or 15. This is like high school fucking year back home. And we had this psychology teacher who, by the way, is just a character. Anyways, you don't care about her. Well, she had this method of teaching that was literally just reading the paragraphs in her class. So you go like from one person to the next, just reading the material for that, you know, <laughs> from the book for that day's class. Again, epic, epic teaching skills. So whatever we we're doing that day, it like it came to me to read the paragraph about retardation. I cannot, you know, like when you are kind of like checking who is reading what and you're like, no, it will not come to me <laughs> to read this. Like it, it just can't. This cannot be happening to me. I am not a serious human being. I cannot read this in a normal voice. I have, guys, I don't even think you have ever heard me on this podcast. Maybe on that podcast when I spoke about Florida Man and I kind of like almost cried spoke. That was me while reading the paragraph about retardation. In retrospect, I'm not proud of it, but boy, that was funny. Everybody just stared at me. It was like, you, you can do this, Maya. Just push through this. Just do it. Just do it, girl. It's like a few more lines. <laughs> it's not funny. It's just not. And I'm mentally fired forever. 
So Long obviously continues to become unhinged and he is now not satisfied with, with his heads and tails game. So he grabs Sean and he tells him he's gonna shoot him in the leg and then they're gonna let him go. It's like, fair deal. They shoot him in the leg, he gets out and he is to pass a message to the police. So he gives them a statement saying that they're four gunmen, they want four bulletproof vests, but they're not happy with this statement or like whatever. I don't know if they have seen it on the TV. They just like kept losing their shit because apparently it didn't make them as frightening as they wanted to. Which again, yes, it doesn't if you leave a hostage. Go. What was the purpose of even shooting them in the leg? Just let them get the fuck out then to pass your message on. But also the police kind of counted that these gunmen are just going to move into like the sniper's site when watching this report. So it was actually the report and this is actually visible online as well. So the statement that this person that was let go gave to the police. But they don't. So now they're kind of freaking out, the captors and the police as well. Because by this point they were supposed to have have gotten way out of the country, millions and full body armors apparently according to them even though they have uh, asked for vests and not like movie fucking props. This is when it gets again a bit too much for yet another hostage because this is fucking stressful. So a diabetic hostage just falls on the ground and he's convulsing. These captors now figure out they're gonna use this guy as a leverage to get another vest and by this point this guy has passed out. Not just that he has passed out, Long decides to shoot him in the leg and says on the phone like now or else. Like basically he's already kind of half dead, his life is in your hands. So the police is already done with these guys now, they're like fuck it, we need to bring this to the end. So they drop the vest as a ruse. The captors are now like saying to Lisa that she is going to go to bend down, but they're basically going to tie her rope inside the shop so that like they can just pull her in if she was to like do something wrong but also like her uncle is in there and they point a gun to his head. What happens now actually unravels pretty quickly and you can watch footage of it online. I wouldn't say it's the most disturbing thing I have seen but yeah again probably trigger warning like this has been watched by people like on the day. So it's not like even edited or anything, it's just you just see the, the whole action that unravels. So Lisa gets outside, dunks to take the vest and a sniper fires a shot. Now this shot was supposed to go straight into one of the hostage takers, however it accidentally just shoots through the glass of the door and just basically shatters the glass. So the police knows they can't waste any more time they release tear gas and they release it in the front of the store to believe that this is where they're going to enter. While this is happening, Lisa actually manages to get out, but the rope is still tightened again, like over her. So somebody's like trying to help her take this rope out of her. And while they're doing it, the, the police has entered from the back door. Hostage takers start shooting and the police start shooting. And it is actually reported that one of the person's lives was saved because they tripped on the same rope when Lisa was trying to like get it off her. They actually tripped on that rope and fell on the ground avoiding a bullet. Now Kwong, Long and Pham all get shot by the police after having shot three hostages. Loy decides, decides, genius, to say he is a hostage. Like, bitch, maybe if you if you made friends with these hostages so that they're on your side. No, idiot. They're still hostages alive. They were like, no, he's not. Also, he's wearing a vest. Clearly, clearly not a smart. Slightly suspicious. Just, yeah, they're gonna buy that. Sorry. Good, good job. Good job. The three dead hostages were identified as Chris Zorne and John Fritz. Both of them were the employees of the store. And Fernando Gutierrez, who was a customer and Lisa's uncle. So this ends in three hostages being dead, 11 of them being wounded, three gunmen dead and one gunman wounded. Again, I put nobody wins. Like I keep thinking of the family of these boys and family of everybody involved in there and just like how unnecessary this whole thing was. How unplanned. It's just if they just had a freaking plan, like even like don't do this shit. But like if you do, why are you putting people through unnecessary stress? Just these hostages had to endure so much, like this miscarriage, this diabetic person falling down. The sentence that this guy deserved, I condone it. Fuck yeah. 
Also, to this day, this hostage crisis remains the largest hostage rescue operation in the US history, with over 40 hostages having been held at gunpoint. Now, our boy Loi Wen, who was seriously wounded but survived, goes to court and guess what? He is charged with three counts of murder and 51 other felonies. So, he was actually faced with possibility of death penalty because he could be held accountable even though he didn't kill anybody because he is the only one that survived guess what don't associate yourself with people who can't do their job and who choose to fucking do illegal shit truly deliberated for two hours if we know anything it is that if it is less than less than 10 or less than a day they're gonna probably you know come in with a guilty the shorter deliberation lasts like the more probabilities they're gonna come in and say you're guilty two hours is short as fuck they give him 41 consecutive life sentences now i always mix this up so i googled it concurrent means that they're served at the same time which is the less logical one and consecutive is the thing that you're probably thinking in your head so they're served one after the other so one life sentence followed by the next one and I believe he deserved it. Do we? Do we believe? Yes, yes we do. Now let's just discuss the background of these kids to figure out why the hell did you do anything, any of this? Why cause this unnecessary stress on this particular day? So when family actually, is that is South Vietnamese soldier, that was South Vietnamese soldier and he basically had his wife and six children escape with 51 other people crammed together in a small fishing boat. So they spent seven months at sea where they were repeatedly raided by pirates and then they spent four more months in a refugee camp in Indonesia waiting to come to the US. So they all left Vietnam 12 years before this event believing their lives couldn't actually get any worse due to the communism rule in Vietnam. And since arriving in California in 1980, Wens like, have survived on welfare. They lived in a two-bedroom unit in a rundown apartment building half a mile from the good guy's store. So before this shootout, two young daughters slept in one room with their parents and their four sons shared the second bedroom and the living room. So obviously like the family's life isn't easy and I totally like feel for them. But then obviously this kid's life as an immigrant wasn't easy either. So they struggled adapting to American society, to schools. Long was actually expelled in March from his school and his friend Kwong Trung was expelled with him because they were caught trying to set fire to their high school. You know, as as you do, if you find the least, the, some obstacles, you, you set fire to it. No, you, you burn it to the ground. Like, how is this... In every of these cases, almost every of these cases, like some of these things could have been prevented. If they just paid attention to the refugees, to the immigrants, to these people in the schools and be like, okay, cool, we're gonna give you the same thing we would do if a rich white woman was to do the same thing, which is like, hey, mental health, therapy, hospitalization, let's just uh, fix you for a minute. Trans family actually didn't tell us much about their background um, and didn't give many interviews after this. But they were also from Vietnam, just the fact is that they were relatively affluent, so they kind of lived in a nice house in this newly built middle-class neighborhood in Elk Grove. Now, Loy, one of the brothers, dropped out of the valley school in his senior year. Like, his teacher said his mind was always elsewhere. But again, he wasn't as problematic, he wasn't causing chaos, like the most unhinged one, like Long. Although he struggled to find a job as well, he was able to afford a car. And he was the one that bought the free handguns as well, prior to the robbery. Fam also had attendance problems, so he was transferred between schools. But he was expected to graduate in June. So it's like, a lot of like problematic similar things. Nothing alarming in any of those kids except from Long, who was like, yeah, Barson, great, amazing. So this is what's known about them. And then on this fatal day, they used their parents' reluctancy to let them do their usual leisure activities and the teacher's awareness of them not attending school regularly to put their plan to action. So, what do we think the motives were behind these crimes? I do believe that these guys actually wanted to go back to Vietnam and they were kind of like really disappointed with this, you know, American dream and this vision of like everything is gonna be great once we are in this, like, in this country. Whereas they were just faced with 
poverty issues and them just being the outcast. But I think like it was also more to it, it was more about making a statement as well. And why I think that is because of the really important bit. Like once they were surrounded, they could have surrendered, but they ended up shooting the hostages. Like all up until that point, didn't actually expect it to like end that way just because they like showed like a lot of reluctancy during this robbery so like that kind of confirms that they actually this was beyond just actually getting the money getting to to thailand and then well to vietnam so i think you could say either that it was um, making a statement or at least it was just the plain frustration that escalated just the plain frustration about them actually not being successful not being like how they have seen it in movies and just life not being what it was promised to them by whoever, by their parents, by their fantasy visions, clearly. So finally, they just decided to snap. So as I mentioned, I think it was a lot more premeditated. They were making the statement and then like I got it like finally confirmed once they actually shot the hostages as their final decision because they really didn't have to do that. In fact, like they could have stayed alive, but I think for them this was genuinely a suicide mission. Because what's worse than going back to your small apartment, living like cramped with your parents, not succeeding in school or anywhere because you are seeing as nobody or seeing as, in, as an immigrant? Well, it is being incarcerated in those same conditions. Let me know what you think. Like, where are you leaning towards? And yeah, do you agree with me that the American dream is never used in a positive context? Never. I have never heard somebody being like, yeah, the American dream and that story like ending up positively. Mm -mm, never. The sources for this podcast have been California Dreaming Podcast, Wikipedia on Sacramento Hostage Crisis, LA Times article, and the New York Times article. And now we go to Random Shit from Maya's Mind, the section that was awaited by millions and millions of listeners. <laughs> I wish that is my American dream. <laughs> Before we go to two mini stories that I have for you this week, this wraps up the heist month. So obviously, as you know by now, the last week of the month I kind of go rogue. And next week that means I'm bringing you yet another unsolved mystery. And yet again, it's the best thing ever. And I don't know how I've never heard about it until my YouTube binge. But God, it's it's also the topic I feel like I'm most qualified to speak about. No spoilers though, you gotta stay with me. So to sort of like combine the patterns from the heists month, well, I think this aspect of the American dream kind of applies to all of them really. Because whether motivated by money or bonding with hostages or doing something nobody has done before, so making it a challenge, every single one of these robbers thought about this as like stepping it up in their life doing that one thing that's gonna make them famous it's gonna be you know a great step in their criminal career and it doesn't work that way does it because nobody can plan everything and um, well if we learned anything from all these free robberies it is that most of them are really really shitty planners that have just watched a lot of television so stay tuned for next week for the unsolved mystery case that i'm going to make it to rocket science case and then June is gonna be so wonderful, because I'm covering scammers. Fraud, scam, and trying to, you know, pattern out the motives uh, behind the fraudsters. And boy, I'm bringing you the three of the weirdest cases that I have heard of. And all three are female, okay? So it can technically be like female criminals slash fraudsters. It's gonna be epic, guys. You have no idea what you're in for. Now, moving on to two mini stories. Last week, when I was researching about legends, La Llorona and La Pascualita, um, this creature popped up. <laughs> so, of course, as you do when you're on Google, you click on it, because you're like, what the fuck is this? This is the most disgusting thing I have ever seen in my fucking life. It looked like a breed... Oh, it is. Like a crossover between a coyote and like a chihuahua. It's like a fucking wolf like forced chihuahua to have sex with him. It's, it's just so disgusting and so ugly. And apparently, according to some people, very real, okay? So, of course, I'm talking about chupacabra or chupacabras. Apparently, this composite noun, though, can be in singular. <laughs> Why I'm mentioning this? Because one of my favorite composite nouns in Spanish is chupaculos, which just means like suck ass. However, 
what I guess none of you thought about, even if you actually speak Spanish or understand it a bit, is that in English, you either say suckass or like butt sucker, but it's usually like in singular, you know, the S is in singular. Whereas in Spanish, it is very much, they very much rely that a suckass sucks multiple S's. And I just love the premise of that, because come on, th nobody ever stops at just one S. Come on, you, you know a suck ass out there. <laughs> they never stop at just one S. This is, this is why I love it. Like, this is why I love Spanish language. It just makes me insanely happy. And just English is very limited, okay? Sorry, Brits, sorry. So, where was I? Suck ass, chupacabra. Okay. <laughs> Again, you don't have to be multilingual to listen to this podcast, but let's just say you got the joke a lot sooner than the rest of them. Chupacabra literally means suck goat. So, goat sucker, what the fuck are they all about? You gotta love when articles say sightings. So, like, first reported sightings were um, from Puerto Rico. You just know if you see a word sighting, maybe there's some delusion involved. And well, they don't technically suck a goat, because th that would be hard, wouldn't it? And yeah, I know that you're thinking pervy things. No, they suck the blood of livestock, including goats. So apparently people have been documenting these sightings of, you know, these creatures that nobody has seen until then, like attacking their livestock, killing them, and then sucking their blood. So... My favorite quote in this whole research is by a guy named Keel. Last name is Keel. Again, I suck at first names. Of the Southeastern Cooperative Wildlife Disease Study at the University of Georgia. Catchy as fuck. Catchy name. He said, quote, it still looks like a coyote. Just a really sorry excuse for a coyote. End quote. Sorry excuse is just one of my favorite phrases. Like, why do you say it? It's like I've never heard a down-to-earth person say sorry excuse. It's usually somebody like trying to be like all poshy-posh, being like, oh, that's a sorry excuse for a meal. And you're like, oh, it's just like a normal meal, bitch. Let me eat my jacket potatoes. Po main point here is, according to like biologists, wildlife management officers, anybody with any sort of like degree slash knowledge of how animals look like, this is an urban legend, okay? And well, according to them, all of these reported sightings slash attacks on livestock, they can contribute them either to satanic cults or to like just wildlife animals like actual coyotes. Maybe they don't look in the prime time of their life. Maybe they're actually sick and this is why they're attacking your livestock. So the earliest sightings have actually been reported from 1995. An eyewitness, Madeline Tolentino, reported seeing the creature in Puerto Rican town where 150 farm animals and pets were reportedly killed. But then there's a guy who actually wrote a book. So he investigated this for five years. Like what a waste of life. What is life in Puerto Rico like? So he finalized his freaking the investigation in a book called Tracking the Chupacabra in 2011 and he actually studied this description this eyewitness testimony I <laughs> just love how I'm using the words eyewitness testimony like this is a fucking crime case and said that her actual description is based on like a creature named Seal from a sci-fi horror film called Species so his whole book is kind of denying that this is the most accurate report or like the most trusted report. And because of this comparison to this movie, like the credibility is just undermined. Like the creature actually is just a fucking vision by somebody and it does not actually exist as an animal. Now you ask, what about the actual bloodsucking, Maya? What's with the name? Like, how can you debunk that? <laughs> well, uh, very easily, actually. <laughs> Like a necropsy, like, uh, you know, the, the autopsy of all of these animals. Yes. Yeah, so like, again, qualified people have said that they have actually re uh, reported like 300 out of all of these 300 animals that they have done necropsy on. None of them has been bled dry. And also they speculate like both dogs and coyotes, whoever is actually like a real existing animal that could have attacked this, doesn't necessarily have to consume the prey. Again, the most common reason because of this is because either they're injured or have like difficulty in killing the prey. Which again, if you google these creatures or I'll post it on the socials, it does look like a fucking coyote dying. As I said, like it looks like either two different breeds have had sex and now this fucking thing is deformed or it looks like an animal who is like close to their death. 
So in their words, all of this livestock could survive the attack and then afterwards die from like internal bleeding or just circulatory shock. And the presence of the two holes in their neck is basically just because of canine teeth. And it can be coyotes or again dogs. Usually what they say is like if they are suffering and debilitated by mange, which is a disease that causes like animal hair to fall out and skin to shrivel. They would struggle to catch normal prey. They would go to catch livestock just because it's easier. And again, everybody qualified just sort of says that the actual bloodsucking, which gave them the name, is kind of just a case of a myth, a legend, exaggeration. So there we go. Another week, another legend debunked. Don't you just fucking hate me? That was a cute little story, yeah, about bleeding that's not actually bleeding. Sweet, sweet, sweet. <laughs> well, the next week's story is about gonna be about 60 seconds, because, okay. If you've learned anything about me this month is that I love debunking shit. Like, I like telling people Santa doesn't exist. And one of my more favorite things in life, well, let's just say I was this kid that didn't trust anything since the very early age. And one of the things that I could never wrap my head around were fairy tales. So yes, in the next couple of episodes, one of these mini-stories is going to be me telling you the actual grim 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 fucking story behind some of the most famous fairy tales. Because you deserve it. And because happily ever after is such bullshit, like, listen, if I was to have a kid and tell them like a bunch of fairy tales and finish them with happily ever after and they would never question it, I would actually question like the intelligence of my fucking kid. <laughs> I know, I know, innocence, everything. Fuck that shit, okay? This is why people get fucking divorced. <laughs> because they think everything is a honeymoon phase and then it's like happily ever after and they're like, uh, but like factually, what does that mean? So I get up tomorrow and then what do I do? Bullshit, okay? These stories that I'm bringing you, the real fucking stories behind fairy tales are the true deal. The, the true to the core. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you'll see. So this week I'm debunking Cinderella. Why I start off with Cinderella? Because for me personally, Cinderella was the hardest one to believe as a kid. I literally, I was like, this story makes zero sense when I first heard it. Because even as a child, I would never understand how this bitch's little foot could fit into that shoe. Why? Well, well why you ask, yeah? Mm -hmm. How about... <laughs> Because of this thing called uh, shoe sizes. How is, does this bitch have the shoe size? Mm, is, it, is it magic? This, uh, this is the thing. How does this woman have the shoe size that apparently only she can fit into this shoe? How is her freaking foot so special? I understand magic, my imagination, great. No. But then why don't you explain that? You had the whole fucking fairy tale. However long it was. To explain that, you explain little shit like, ooh, fairy appears and she goes, like, turns a pumpkin into this shit. Well, if I'm supposed to believe in magic, why don't you explain this part for me to be believing in this shit? Okay. In Brothers Grimm version from the 19th century, in an attempt to fit into this shoe, one of Cinderella's evil stepsisters cuts off her toes and the other one cuts off her heel so they can both fit into the tiny glass slipper. But little doves are snitches, so... <laughs> this is my version of the script, of course. So they alert Prince that there is blood inside these shoes. So finally, finally the prince, who is apparently a fucking dumbass, doesn't notice their feet are bleeding, discovers that the true owner is Cinderella. And once these stepsisters attend the wedding, the birds, the sly little birds now, peck their eyes out. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. This is how I'm ending this episode, yeah? Just, just, goodbye, bye, bye, yeah, leaving you now. <laughs> I have a feeling I might, sh I should um, start these episodes with these two stories and then move on to the actual fucking case. Because uh, what a grim ending, uh, what a grim ending. You can always tell me which of the fairy tales you actually want me to look up, because I'll probably look up a couple and then be bored of it, because they are all this fucking sad. <laughs> and by sad, I mean thrilling and more realistic than the real ones. Mm-hmm, damn right. And also, what do you want to be the second story for the next couple of weeks, apart from me destroying your childhood dreams? Yeah, you, you have the power to decide on that. By either emailing me, podbam at gmail.com, Twitter, deadbampod, Insta, deadbampod, Patreon, deadbampod, 
I'm covering the case of Jill Dando this week. Super fucking fascinating case of the BBC journalist, which also has a theory of a Serbian hitman killing her, which obviously I'm gonna develop in the most unbiased possible way. So definitely check that out. Let me educate you in these mini mini cases. Because I want to cover what you actually, you know, want to know. Plus also I'm gonna run out of ideas pretty quickly. Oh, look at this. Look at what was the time. Uh, it's time for your next Zoom meeting, fuckers. How pathetic. <laughs> How unnecessary, like, ruining your life. Well, I don't know about your part of the world, but here they're kind of speaking about lifting quarantine. And guess what? I read this week that Twitter is gonna allow their employees to actually work from home if they want. Guess what you should mention in your next Zoom meeting? That particular fact. Be like, so you see how Jack Dorsey is kind of looking like he consumes like something on the regular, but he still makes the, like these uh, rational decisions? Yeah, why doesn't this company do this? Because psychology, bitches, if you allow people to have the option not to return to the office, maybe they're actually gonna choose to return to it. Parenting. Everything combined. Because people do shit out of spite. If you tell somebody not to eat something, what are they gonna do? Eat shit. Eat that ice cream. Like, you know how life works. And if they're not impulsive fucking person who is just motivated by spite, you know, like most of us, well, wow. You actually have a reasonable employee that's gonna stay and work from home and live their best life. Guess what? how fucking great. What a great hire you have made. Congratulations, round of applause. Do, 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 do. Oh god. <laughs> So you join that Zoom call and just straight out be like, hey, uh, what about the option not to return to the office ever? And then watch your managers and HR sweat. Pretty sure it's not gonna work, but you might lose your job if you know you say it in a very abrupt way, like I'm telling you, but might be worth it, okay? Or you know, drop that Zoom call and apply to work at Twitter. Fuck it, one or the other. If they don't know your value, you know your value. You speak to that mirror bitch and you tell her what's up. <laughs> Can you tell I watch Insecure? <laughs> and once you drop that call, well, you question what was said in that meeting. Question the motives behind their fucking decisions. Why decide to allow or forbid people to go back to the office? What does that tell about them? Question every motherfucker in that meeting. And question their Zoom backgrounds. They tell you so, so much about a person. I cannot even. And I'm not even a psychologist, okay? Let's just throw that out there just every now and then so people um, don't actually think I am. And in questioning that, keep making the world a better place. One motive at a time. Bye, fuckers.